Welcome to the Better the Pond podcast. In each episode, Warren Berry, CEO and founder of Instinctive Solutions, talks to amazing people doing incredible things that lead the charge of generosity. We'll discover what makes each guest a bit of an odd duck and how they continue to better the pond around us. The migration starts right now with our host, Warren Berry. Hello, everyone, and I want to welcome you to another episode of the Better the Pond podcast, the Flying V edition, where we talk to incredible people who are creating impact and ripples on the pond. My name is Warren Berry, and I'm your host and the founder of Instinctive Solutions, where we believe that everyone is an odd duck, but that's what makes them awesome. Today, my guest is Kathleen Adams. Beginning her journey in the USA, but born in Nuremberg, Germany, try to figure that one out, Kathleen is a genius behind Second 50 Financial. Her father was a very successful dentist, and Kathleen grew up wanting for nothing. Then a health issue with her father changed all that, and she realized that there was a need for someone to help people in the second half of their life. Thus, Second 50 Financial. Kathleen was on her journey to go into dentistry herself, but discovered that was not her destiny and found herself in financial services. She helps people to be financially confident, finding opportunities for expansion, and creating community to discover what gets people up in the morning and to take action. She has created the Second 50 movement and in turn is creating ripples to better the pond. Ladies and gentlemen, Kathleen Adams. All right. Are you ready, Are you ready to do this? I am. Your hair is good. You got your coffee. <laughs> I'll leave my coffee there. I just didn't get to drink it this Oh, well, drink it. That's coffee. Okay. <laughs> All right. Kathleen Adams from Second 50 Financial. Um, I am so excited to have you on the podcast. It is great to have you. We are going to have some fun today. Perfect. So can you tell me a little bit, Kathleen, just... Tell me about Second 50 Financial. Give me a little bit of a synopsis of sort of what the company does, what you do, and a little bit of the impact that you're creating in the world. Sure. Thank you. Uh, Second 50 Financial, we are a registered investment advisor, financial planning, and wealth management group. What we do, though, is we focus on giving people in their second 50 years an amazing second 50 years. And the name is based on the fact that we believe that many people due to the way the world has changed, are going to live longer than a second 50 years. So the plan, the planning, the thinking, the investing all has to be different. And we based our practice on that. I have an amazing partner, David Swift, um, and a great team. That is fantastic. Um, I will dive in a little bit into the why in a little bit, because now you've already got my, you've already got my attention. Um, and so, you know, the generally overall can, you know, what you what you stated is that, you know, the, all your financial planning and the service you provide is for that second 50 years mm -hmm. uh, for people. So do you also um, service people who are under that, uh, what is not, it, what, we, we won't call it an age restriction, we'll call it a uh, <laughs> an age parameter. So do you also service people underneath that as well? We do, because we have... Um... Not usually a lot of really young people, but we do have people in their 40s 
And what they're looking at is having a great second 50 as well. So they have plans for themselves. And if, if you looked at the whole scope of what we do, it definitely makes sense to plan for that second 50 in your 40s if you can. But I will say the majority of people who come to us are in their second 50. Okay. So you attract those people naturally. Okay, fantastic. All right, Kathleen. So, um, what got you from being a Gosling? And I'm talking, you know, we talked earlier about going back to your Chicago days, but I'm talking like being a Gosling, your youngest, youngest formative years to the time when you left the nest, went out on your own, to where you are today. So, Kathleen Adams, what is your backstory? My backstory, right. Well... I started out my life with a degree in biological science. Oh, no, no. We're, you did not do biological sciences as a gosling. <laughs> Always a gosling, no. I said, no, we're, we're telling you, I want to tell you your, your very beginnings. Where did, where did you start your life? Where'd you hatch? Yeah, I started my life in Illinois. Illinois. Um, Illinois, yep. And those are my roots, actually. Actually, Warren, I was born in Nuremberg, Germany. And... I lived there for three years. My dad was a dentist in the military. Oh, see, now I, do. I want to know the backstory. We're going, we're going right back to your very beginnings. Yes, that is the very beginning. Yes. For Germany. Germany, yes. Apparently we had a German nanny, and I was learning German, and I had uh, dual citizenship, so it was pretty fun, and then we moved back. Uh, how, how old were you when you moved back? Three years old, so very small. No memory of it. Right. Interesting. Father, your father was a dentist in the military. Yes. That is fascinating. Um, you know what? Tell me a little bit more about that. Do you know sort of, you know, how that, be how that began? How did he end up being a dentist in the military? <laughs> so my dad um, moved to the United States from Trinidad when he was 16 years old. He got a scholarship to Northwestern University. So he went to undergrad school, Northwestern in Chicago, and then he went to college, uh, I'm sorry, dental school at Northwestern. And then he joined the military uh, because at the time that was what he felt he should do, give something back to the country. But when he joined, he was already a dentist, so he became automatically an officer. And fortunately, uh, you know, they were able to have a place for him in Germany so he could stay on base, and he helped a lot of soldiers over there. He did, it was after the actual combat time, okay. so he wasn't, you know, in combat, but he he said he did get to tour a lot of the Holocaust and areas like that that permanently affected him. He said it was, it was beyond belief, uh, but we had a great life over there. He said it was it was lovely. The people were great, and they had a lot of fun. Um, what yeah, an so dentists came naturally, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, what an interesting story of from Trinidad to the U.S. to Germany. Yeah. Right? And then back right. to the U.S. again. So, And then here's my mom, who is a uh, very, very small town in Iowa. She's from a place called Shell Rock. It's honestly, it's a, it's a one-street town. Mm. <laughs> And she broke out of that and went to college and ended up um, meeting my dad when he was in Chicago in dental school, and that's how that happened. But they were both transplants, and they both took a lot of risks, you know, to make things happen. 
Now, when when your dad went over to Germany, did she uh, go with him or did she stay back in, in the United States? No, she went with him. Uh, she was going to, she, I have an older sister. I had an older sister. So they were going over, but they were surprised because they found out I was coming along. So I was going to be the second daughter and they had to rush her over, but rush her over was on a ship. You know, she didn't oh, fly. There wasn't but, a lot of rushing then. No, no, but yeah, so she had to to get over there, and yeah, that was the plan all along to go with him. So here you, so you were start you yeah, you actually your very beginnings was in the United States. Yes, correct. Uh huh. That was. <laughs> yes, you were conceived in the U.S. and then born in Germany. This is fascinating. This is this is one of the best backstories I've heard so far. Oh, great. Good. <laughs> So now you so you've you've now uh, your your parents have now carried you back across across the pond uh, from Germany back to the U.S. and uh, and then and then take me from there, Kathleen. So my dad um, sets up a dental practice in a suburb of Chicago. Um, he just rents the space, gets the equipment, takes loans, puts out his sign. My mom was his assistant. Mm. And he started this practice, and it was wildly successful. He practiced for 40 years, and we just had an amazing life. He he loved the town, and he, he had two more daughters. There were four of us all together. Oh, wow. So we never wanted for anything. He paid for everything, all of our school and education and weddings and everything. Um, but he is definitely part of my backstory because he wanted me to go to dental school. And. <laughs> I went into science and math because I love science and math. I ended up practicing dental hygiene in his office. I could not get myself to go back to dental school. This wasn't wasn't enough of an interest, you know, which is, it really surprised me. I really thought that was my path, just just didn't want to do it. So when you were in um in high school, like in high school, was that sort of was that your job or was that what was that a part time job for you was to help in the in your dad's office yep. and all of my sisters we all did it at one point. This was a real family business. It was not at the same time because we have different ages, but yes, so we all were in and out of working in the office, and it was it was great. It was a good experience. Now, did your dad want all of the kids to go into dentistry? No, because I was a science and math daughter, and I think he sensed that I had a feeling for it, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so he just, he got to the point where he assumed I would be going in, and and I think I did too, but, you know, nope. best laid plans, right? <laughs> yes. No, I was just going to ask you that, uh, interesting, you know, and, and we see it a lot of the time with people where the parents... It was an accountant. They well, you you know, and then they want their their child to be an accountant or a door to, in this case a dentist and those kind of things like that. So, was your first as you started to go down that path? When was was dentistry even an interest at the time, or was it the science behind the dentistry that got your attention? What what is it that sort of that you know that got you sort of going, or was it more of your dad's want? It was a combination, Warren. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but. I mean, I will say I loved the way my dad helped people. Mm. So I saw him very, it significantly changed people's lives. Dentistry uh, is, is, it's a really interesting profession. So I loved that. I liked the idea of the family practice. I loved the relationships that he had with people. Mm-hmm. 
when I worked in the office, he let me be a little bit of a jack of all trades. So I would sit at the front desk, I would set up some billing, mm -hmm. I would do some practice and then, you know, just a little bit involved in everything. Mm -hmm. And I liked all of that. Uh, but when I, when I realized what I was actually doing hands on and that there was going to, it was going to be a much, much more part of my life to do that, that's when it started to lose its, its flavor for me. Also, I was, because, you know, when you're good at something, I don't know if you know this too or feel this, you tend to like it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if it comes easily to you. Yes. Yeah. yeah you so, have to gravitate towards it. You do. Yeah. Right. So it was really the, so it was more the hands-on piece that seemed to, when you realized this was going to be a day in, day out, hands-on job was sort of the, the, the shine that came off the dime at that point. Is that correct? It did. It yes. Did. Yes. Well, that makes so much sense to me. Um, and so, you know, going from, so now you obviously, you know, you did your, you did your high school years, you worked, you know, worked with your dad. Um, and then where did you go from there? So I went to college, and my first college I went to because my best friend was going there. It was a small college in Illinois, Western Illinois University. And I went there for two years taking pre-dental classes. And then my dad said, let's get serious. Where are you going to go where you can get the real education and move on to dental school? So I applied to Northwestern and Loyola, mm -hmm. and I chose, chose Loyola to, um, school. So I finished my Bachelor of Science degree there. And that's where also I got my um, certification and took my boards to practice dental hygiene. And then they told me it would only take about two more years to finish dental school. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I can only picture how my dad was feeling. <laughs> well, how were, how, how were you feeling? Yeah. I was just happy just to go along as I was doing things. And I, you know, I loved the family practice and the joy of being in his practice and helping him do what he did. And I felt good about what I was doing. I just never felt like it was for my, my forever profession. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah. So what was, what was the defining moment, Kathleen, where you made the decision not to? So, uh, it's kind of a long story, but I'm going to cut it to this. My dad, who had this significantly successful practice, built wealth, bought his office building, didn't we felt he did everything right, had no debt. Mm -hmm. A health issue took took him down, and it, it wasn't going to kill him, but it wasn't going to allow him to practice dentistry. He could not believe it because he planned on doing this, you know, into his 80s if he could, mm -hmm. working a couple of days a week. I couldn't believe it because I thought he did everything right financially. He had a banker, mortgage guy, CPA, insurance person, but the right hand never looked at what the left hand was doing. No, nobody set him up for a terrific outcome when it was time to leave the practice. Hmm. Yeah. So everybody had their own niche, but it wasn't it wasn't a cohesive. Here's how we're going to get you to an amazing lifestyle. We're going to support it with this kind of an income when you're no longer working. So it was very siloed. Very siloed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there was definitely no big picture for him. It was just, yeah. Yeah, and how long ago would this have been? Like, what in what years would this have occurred? So this was in the late 90s. Okay. 
Okay. Okay. Um, so that's interesting. Um, and so what happened? What happened there? So a couple of things had happened. I had moved to California, so I was no longer practicing with my dad. Mm-hmm. And I was getting very restless. I was working part-time for someone, a great dentist, but it was totally not the same. So I'd already started exploring some other things to do. I was thinking law school, business school, what else could I do? Very supportive husband who said, do whatever you want to do. Go ahead. Then when my dad's situation started um, and I saw what was happening to him, I couldn't believe it. And I decided you know, there needs to be somebody to help people with this kind of planning. And it's different than what, what I was seeing, you know, with the stockbrokers and the wirehouses. It was all about investing. It wasn't about planning. Mm-hmm. So that's what really got to me. And I went back to school at UCLA and mm-hmm. took the personal financial planning program there. And uh, it, it was life-changing. I loved it. I loved the very first class. So I knew it was in the right spot. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> And immediately found value that I could add for my dad. Um, we were able to maneuver some things to make it a lot better for him. But uh, yeah, it was it was still very shocking. He should have been able to do anything he wanted to do with the amount of money he made. Mm-hmm. And I'm a financial planner who lived a fantastic early life. A lot of people in my profession grew up without a lot of money or had a hardship. Right. That's true. That's what that brought him into it, right? Yep. Mine was different. Mine was the opposite, and I couldn't stand it that he didn't have it. Um, But he was very inspiring. He was open to trying anything. He was open to doing more things with his life. He always had an idea. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I just loved it because he had a zest for life, Mm -hmm. even though things weren't going well. So anyway, my planning evolved around what happened to him, and it evolved into what we call lifestyle preservation planning because it's not just getting out of your business and surviving. <laughs> it's <laughs> having a really good life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I have a couple of questions for you. Um, one of the things that just pops into my head, Kathleen, is you know you obviously have a very, uh, very strong relationship with your father. Um, what would you say was the number one lesson that he taught you? I don't know. taught me a lot of lessons. Uh, let me think about that for a minute. He's passed on, by the way, so he's no longer here. He, uh, he inspired me to really, really go for it, to do what I want, no matter what my age. It was a big lesson because I think sometimes we start out in certain careers and we feel stuck. I couldn't possibly go back to school now. Or I I have children, I can't do this now. But my dad was extremely encouraging about getting to the heart of what you want to do and doing it. He encouraged me to move to California. um, And he was fine with me leaving dentistry when I wasn't going to be his succession plan. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah, he was very excited about it. So... It was he, he was just an inspiration and a, and a goal for it person. Hmm. Um, and we don't want to leave your mother out of the picture here. So, what do you? What was the greatest lesson that she taught you? She was the same way. She was fearless. She left that tiny little town in Shell Rock and went to Chicago, the big city. <laughs> um, it, it's uh, 
she was also encouraging for me to always do what I wanted because when I was thinking about moving to California, we found out she had terminal cancer and she absolutely 100% still wanted me to go. I didn't. I didn't go at that point. I stayed. But she just said, don't do that. You know, you can come back and see me, but you, you really need to go. So she was always the same way, just inspiring and encouraging. Yeah, so both sounds like both your parents yeah, really wanted you to grow and develop and, you know, and, and leave the nest and fly. That's, they, they, kick, they, were, they were kicking you out of the nest. I know. And now that I have grown children, I, I just, you know, I take a deep breath when they want to move away because I want them right by me and I have to think about my parents, but what they did for me. Right. Yeah, exactly. My, uh, both, uh, I'm empty nested. And when my kids left, um, I will say it was, it was very hard. It was very hard to let them leave the nest. And, uh, and I look back and I left when I was 17 and I went and lived on my own and, and when, then then I, I mean, I went to school and my parents had moved and I stayed. So, and I, and I look at that and I went, wow, like, you know, it would have, when my kids were 17, I would never have let them leave the house and go on their own. Right. I know. We're yeah. so protective now. I think, yes, we, I think we grew up faster. Yes. I would, I would, I would agree. Um, so now you, so you know, you went, you obviously went to UCLA, did your fun, you know, your financial planning and did that. Um, and now give me up some speed to that point to where you are today. Okay. So today, so I started out at a, uh, at an institutional firm that allowed financial planning. There weren't that many. This was back in, um, end of 1999, top of 2000. And I, I practiced there and, and just from scratch, you know, just, um, got the word out and started gaining clients. And then I realized I wasn't where I was supposed to be as far as expanding to do the type of planning. It's very restrictive in our industry mm -hmm. uh, about what you can do for compliance reasons. So I changed and went to another firm. I built a team, um, which was life-changing for me. The team was key. And I shared the vision and the mission, and we were all on board. And I I brought my practice to another location and became a partner at a firm and was there about 10 years. And then once again, I needed some more freedom. <laughs> I was expanding into what Second 50 was really going to be and it needed to be on our own. So then we, we moved out and uh, from there and set up our own, what's called a RIA firm, Registered Investment Advisor. And now, now we're really independent and really expanding second 15. And so, so is that, is that freedom to you is to be able to, you know, like have your own, have your own business, do what you want to do, develop it, grow it, nurture it, and have the flexibility, uh, as a, an owner slash partner to be able to do that. That's, that's the key. You know, I wanted to, to found my own company and business. I, and I, I felt so strong because my team was so strong. The team of four of us that are really key, we outsource a lot, mm -hmm. but yes. And I feel we can help change the world if we can do things the way we want to do them. And you can't do that under normal institutional relationships that most people have in my profession. 
Well, when we get to the bed of the pond question, that's where we're going to find out exactly what you're doing uh, in, in that regard. So to be a good steward of time here. Um, so Kathleen, what's, what's the biggest thing or the greatest thing that's happened to you that's ruffled your feathers? And, and how did you respond to that? It's been a few things. I think what I will say here is that when I was in school, I had decided that when I came out, no matter how I built my business, I was going to go back to the dental profession, dental service people, and give give them some knowledge and information. Just offer to give them that. Just open their eyes have them become aware of what they might need to do. They didn't need to become my clients because what I did is I started writing an article for magazines um, for dental professionals, and I, I spoke at a couple conferences, and I just thought, I just want to get the dental community on board that they need to do something. Not one person <laughs> responded to that, Warren. <laughs> I offered complimentary conversations or just to send them information. I... Um, I didn't really talk about my dad's story when I was speaking at those conferences because he was still alive and I didn't necessarily want to share that. But I, I mean, I just couldn't believe it. I was all set up to be this right fit, perfect advisor consultant for people and nobody wanted it. So, so anyway, why do you think that is? You know, I think. At the time, I think the profession of dentistry was really strong. People were making a lot of money, and they weren't worried about it. And I think kind of like my dad, they did some things right. Like they, a lot of them invested in their office bill. You know, they just did some things right. Mm -hmm. And they just, for some reason, did not see the need for planning. And I will say, back in this time frame, planning wasn't a big part of being an advisor like me. It was more about being a stockbroker. Mm. You know what I mean? It was more about investing. It, it was, yeah, like Smith Barney and Morgan Stanley and Merrill Lynch. You know, just that's just what the world was. Right. So they, they were like, no, you know what? I kind of got that covered. I'm building wealth, so uh, don't need you. <laughs> so, <Fine. laughs> but do you think that, uh, I mean, you're obviously your experience was in dentistry, but do you do you think that this was bigger than just dentistry, that it went into, you know, whether it be medicine, uh, into engineering, you know, any any sort of um, lucrative business uh, where they figured that, hey, I'm making money and I'll keep making money so that I don't have to, I won't even have to worry about the future. It'll just naturally almost take care of itself. For sure. Yeah, it's all of those. I think what I started focusing on what was what I call the owner-driven businesses. Mm -hmm. So I felt they were going to have the hardest time getting out. Um, for a lot of professionals and executives, they will have pensions and kind of forced 401ks and plans and things like that. For people in their owner-driven business and practice, they had a lot more to think about. They needed to have a lot more, to me, strategy around what they were doing. Mm -hmm. So I did gravitate towards them. By owner-driven, you know what I mean by that. Just Yep. Yep. So that was... Yeah, that was part of it. Hmm. That's really fascinating that um, that not one person took you, took you up on the offer. <laughs> no. That's really quite fascinating. Like, what, what am I? 
what was my big idea here? You know, this was really, wow, it really hit me in the face. But you know what? I learned from that because I learned I could pivot. I still had all the knowledge and the experience and um, everything that I had learned, I loved. So but you just have to pivot, right? You mm-hmm. have to plan B, change. Yeah, absolutely. And and probably maybe too what you said that you didn't really have your dad's story at the time. So that would have been your dad's story. It's a pretty compelling story. Um, but you weren't, you know, really didn't feel that you were able to share it at that time. So no, he was at the conferences with me. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah. And he was doing okay by that time. You know, we had fixed things. It just wasn't the lavish lifestyle that we thought he was going to be able to have. For sure. No, I get that. Um, so now going back to my metaphor here, Kathleen, that geese fly 71% further and faster when flying in the V formation. So what do you think is the secret to getting a team flying in the V formation? You talked about your team. What do you, what is your secret sauce to, to getting your team flying in that highly functional, uh, very efficient manner? I think it's all about, first of all, completely understanding yourself as the leader. So you better know your own strengths and your weaknesses. And I did a lot of work around that, figuring that out. Because when most of us, when we start a business, we think we can do it all. Mm-hmm. We have to do it all. Yeah. But when I started adding team members, I could see that they liked doing some things and not others, or some things they felt very proficient at. And I, I started to see the benefit of finding out more about them as people, about their strengths and weaknesses. So I firmly believe in using assessments, things like um, the Colby Index, assessment or a strength finder. Those are the two that I love. Mm -hmm. And I have every team member do that because for one thing, we really understand each other then. And for, you know, they'll look at me and I'm, I'm all about relationships and getting things going and starting quickly. And the other ones are more grounded. They're about the systems and processes that we use. So we all understand each other. Then if, as you're flying in your V formation, you get the roles in place. So what role is that person going to play on the team? And if you get them in the right position, oh my gosh, it's like magic how well it works. And then the other thing about that V, because if I remember correctly with the V, they change position, right? That's correct. Right. And we do that too. So when we need to be working on something that is not my strength, I let someone else lead. It doesn't have to be me. Um, but the the idea is that we are definitely stronger together. Um, we wouldn't we wouldn't be going where we were going if we didn't have this team flying in formation because we know who we are. <laughs> Fantastic. What uh, I don't uh, have it. What is your mo, Kathleen? Do you know it off the top of your head? My mo. Yes, your Colby mo, your Colby result. Oh yes, it's seven three eight three. Oh, seven three eight three. Okay. <laughs> and that's why you said you get to like. That's why you said you're a quick start. You like to start quickly and just jump into things. And I do, but then my seventh back finder, I've been told, puts the brake on just as yeah. I'm putting the accelerator on. But absolutely, you guys. Yeah, you go one foot in the gas, one foot in the brake. Yeah, I do <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, but that's interesting, you know. Um, uh, and for my listeners, you know, we talk about Colby as you know your cornered of strength for your your instincts and to your problem solving strategy. So. That's interesting with your short follow through, um, how you, you can always find workarounds 
Um, but obviously you must have some longer follow-throughs around you to make sure that there is systems and processes and structure and, and customer service things around so that things get completed so that there's, you know, don't have too many loose ends. That's very, very true. And I will say, um, for a very long time, I've been a part of a coaching community in a room of big, big thinkers. So we get a lot of thinking tools and we can, we, I actually get one day every quarter where I just sit down and think, think about my thinking and strategize. So that helps this quick start. (laughs) (laughs) I would, I would assume that is strategic coach. It is. It is. We see you're thinking about your thinking. Yes. Yeah. Are you in strategic coach? I I was in strategic coach. And I know a lot of people who are still in coach, as a matter of fact. So it's a wonderful program. And anybody, the listeners, uh, Strategic Coach is a coaching program for highly successful entrepreneurs. And um, it is, I think it's an absolutely wonderful program um, to really help with, with entrepreneurial growth. Dan Sullivan is, he's a genius in my world. He's a genius. Thank you for saying that, Warren. I feel exactly the same way. And I know that being in that room with him and these other people, was a massive, massive impact on my business, mm-hmm. my life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's not just business, it's life. It's life. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, you know, I think that's fantastic. We're talking about the V formation. That's really wonderful um, that you, you know, that you number one, you understand yourself. So you have the self-awareness piece. And then, you know, and I don't look at it as weaknesses. Personally, I look at it as just, you know, building a, a, a strength-based uh, company or, or a unique ability type company where, you know, everybody is doing what they do best. And, and as, as it goes with the geese flying the bee formation, as everyone starts to rotate through, um, you know, that everyone becomes a leader and, exactly. uh, you know, and when geese fly the bee formation is that they can all see where they're going. And so as we, we know what the vision is, we know where we're going, we know, we know where we're heading, everyone can see. And so that we'd all fly together. That's why no one gets lost. So good for you for having your team fly in that V formation. So thank you for sharing that. Well, that is so, that is so significant what you just said about the V because that's exactly right. I, it took me a while to recognize how much everybody needed to know the vision and the mission. And when everybody can see it, we're, we're definitely moving in the same direction. Right. And that's the thing. And, and if you don't, you know, if we don't, if we don't have that clearly defined, um, that's why, you know, they, they start to go astray, right? They start to fly on their own and then everyone is working twice as hard. Um, with, it's just, takes take way more, it takes way more energy, takes way more time, um, because the fact you've lost that efficiency. You have, and you're not moving towards the same purpose. But what used to drive me crazy was thinking about a vision and a mission and all these different ways to write it, et cetera, et cetera. It drove me nuts. And then someone finally told me, the vision is just what you're aspiring to. Mm -hmm. And the mission is how you're going to do it. Right. That's it. That's it. That helped. (laughs) (laughs) So it's so amazing when we simplify things. Don't ever. Yes, exactly. Don't underestimate the power of simplification. Right. Yes. Um. So now, Kathleen, what are you doing right now to better the pond, and and what ripples are you creating? So ultimately, with our with our planning, it's it's an expansion because I kept coming up against three things, three main questions that have to be answered in your second fifty years. So it was, first of all, how do I get financially confident? Um, it's 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 difficult when the business income stops 
what one of my clients calls the fresh money. <laughs> uh, you know, and not not everybody stops completely, but I'm just saying there there are times that happen here where you need to really focus on financial confidence. How are you going to make things happen and be okay? But the second thing then was, what is it that's going to excite you about getting up every day now? I mean, there's a lot that we can do with travel, playing with grandkids, playing more golf. But I'm talking about something that creates a little bit more of a zest for life at this point. And for me, it's uh, this section became what we call opportunity expansion. Mm-hmm. So how can we help you look out there and see what else there might be? And for some people, it may be important to earn money again. And so there may be ways to start doing that. So we could we combine them and have a new purpose. And for some people, they just want to help other people, uh, but they want to do it in a really impactful or clever way. So it's all opportunity expansion. But let's figure out what it is you really, really want right now. And most people don't. Mm-hmm. It's rare about what they really want. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, how, this could sound redundant, though, but how much... I you know how much work is it, or how many people do you come across in that scenario? Um, and I can see this being very relevant of uh, that that phase of your life of saying, you know, what do I do next? What do I what do I want to do next? Where do I want to go? And I think it's really important that you ask the question of what you know what would get you out of bed in the morning because yep. I could see it being quite easy to be very lackadaisical and and just not. Like I think that that'd be the, obviously the easy way out. So how do you how do you this goes back to the, like the ripples, you know? How do you create those ripples? How do you create that opportunity for them or opportunity expansion, as you say, to help them discover what would you know what would get them up in the morning and what impact do they want to create in this stage of their life? So this is part of what the ultimate goal is for Second Fifty. My ultimate vision is to start what I call the Second Fifty movement. So oh, I've talked to so many people, I have so many clients in their second 50, friends, family members, brilliant people. They are, they have done so much. And the amount of sort of drop off in routine and boredom that I see mm-hmm. once they leave what they were doing before blows me away. So what I've found helps people, and this is part of what I'm wanting to do and doing with the movement, is getting small groups of people in a room and having conversations, oftentimes when I find some sort of theme or commonality between them. So here's an example. I have several people, friends and clients, extremely interested in helping animals, especially dogs. They love them. So there are some some problems and some things going on in the world with that. How could we come together and think about what might we do with this now that we have so much time? <laughs> what can we do? I have big thinker people who are saying, why in the world don't we have transportation across the country for our dogs when we travel or we go to our second home? You know, how do we move them? So there there could be a really cool outlet for that. Uh, I have people who are, are really interested in a new topic. So some people find that they never, ever studied history, and now they're really getting into history. Well, I have other people that are interested, and I have resources. So recently I was introduced to someone named Peter Zihan. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Uh, no, I haven't. He's a geopolitical analyst that would blow your mind. And I would suggest looking at a couple of his podcasts. Um, he has books, but the books are pretty big and heavy. But if you just wanted to get a taste, I would suggest looking at Peter Zihan because 
he will really open the eyes, I think, of a lot of people in the world with what he foresees going on in the future. And I think a lot of people in their second 50 should be aware or may, may really want to know more. Uh, and then there's some people that just want to, um, they just want to contribute, but they want to do it in a more meaningful way. They don't want to write a check to the Red Cross. Mm -hmm. So I foresee putting groups of people together. And in the meantime, I'm giving as many resources as I can to people in the form of uh, information, other people, small group things, uh, new introductions to, just like I said to you, to podcasts and books. I'm just seeing how can we stimulate thought. But it'll be, to me, a bunch of brains in the room from boomers that together they're going to create a bigger brain and they're going to figure some things out. Hmm. That's fantastic. Uh, when you say about Peter Zion, how do you spell his last name? Z-I-E-H-A-N. Z-I-E-H-A-N. Okay, thank you. Yeah, I will definitely... Looked it up, and I can also put it in the notes as well. So yeah. um, I will definitely check that out. So thanks for that. So going back, um, saying the, the ripples that you're, you know, you're creating and the ways that you're doing it of helping people um, is really about, you know, what I'm hearing from you. It's really about community. It's about creating a smaller community of people to create an impact so that they're not, you know, they're not, they're not alone, but they're with others. Exactly, Warren. And it's multiple communities. I foresee multiple communities of people. Because the more I talk to even my own friends at a dinner party, mm -hmm. the more I can see it get a little light in their eyes. And I said, so if I put a small group together and maybe we're going to do a Zoom or we're just going to meet for coffee or a glass of wine, would you be interested in talking more about this? And I have not had one no. Every single one has said yes. Mm. From the clients to friends to family. That's a little bit different than, than your original... <laughs> You get it right eventually. Uh, but, I, but I will tell you in, in my second 50 movement, I know the financial confidence is key. I know the opportunity expansion, but the third prong is really vitality enhancement because that's the third, uh, there's the third pillar to this. And vitality is, you know, we talked a little bit about it. It's the energy and zest that you can feel even as you get older. Mm -hmm. The world has changed. 21st century medicine and breakthroughs are mind-blowing, and we don't hear about them. Mm -hmm. So I, it's not mainstream, and I belong to a couple professional groups. One of them is through Dan Sullivan called Lifetime Extender. He brings in every quarter unbelievable breakthroughs, solutions, um, ideas, home equipment, expanded blood tests. So it's all of the things that we learn about are not in the future. They're here. But the difference is you have to write checks. Mm -hmm. But if, if you want to take a deeper look at how healthy you are or you just want to uh, expand your resources and see, is there something I might be able to do to make me a little feel a little bit better, a little more mobile, you know, uh, lose some aches and pains without going a traditional route? It's here. <laughs> so I'm developing a resource page and platform for that. Oh, okay. Because I was going to say, how do people find out about it then? Because it's not, it's not mainstream. It's, you know, um, you know, the, the medicine typically moves at the pace of science. So, um, and there's, you know, there's only a certain amount of people who actually break through and, and do new and exciting things. But yeah, it's not typically, you know, you don't find out in the mainstream media. You don't find out through your GP. You don't, 
right? So you have to go to other resources to find that. So um, that'd be, so do you know when, do you know when you're planning to put that out? The platform? Yeah. Well, I'm talking right now to what I call collaborators. So people who can help me with the technology and the form around that. What I'm doing now is I'm actually in conversations with clients and in emails. I'm sending out resources as I hear things from them. There's actually a new treatment for Parkinson's that most people don't know about. And the interesting thing, very common among boomers um, Mm -hmm. as they age. And the interesting thing is it's, it's one of the few that is FDA approved. And I believe Medicare even partially pays for now. And it's at some big institutions. Nobody talks about it. You know, granted, you might have to travel to one of the locations where they're offering it, but if you're really not well Mm -hmm. and you really want to try to get better, you're going to do that. The other thing is, of course, like I said, you have to write checks. So our insurance only covers sick care. True. (laughs) To get a test and you have to get Mm -hmm. sick to get something to treat it. Everything I'm talking about is proactive. So it's it's either outside the box and not covered by regular insurance, or it's proactive, meaning let's let's go after and, and get things checked out. Let's build your strength. Let's build you from the inside out. Let's look for the root cause. And most of that is just not in mainstream medicine right now. That is very true. And yeah, I mean the proactive is you know let's let's make you healthy so you don't get sick is yeah. Not, yeah. not it's not the common approach. No, it's not, and just blows my mind because part of this is from my dad. His health issues could have been managed. Mm-hmm. Now, in the 21st century, we've got things that are right out there. There's a blood test called Inside Tracker. And I don't know if any of your listeners would be interested, but my husband and I are doing it right now. And Inside Tracker, you pay for it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very, very expla- expanded blood test. So they're going to look at markers and things that you are not going to see in your average physical blood test. They have a team of scientists and some physicians that look at the results and they'll send you a report. They'll, you can do the nutritional. They'll say, you know what? You should not really be eating much of this. You would do better to do this. You're deficient in this. And then you can take that report and send it to your physician, your own primary care doctor. You can send it to your functional medicine doctor, but it's beyond what you're going to get. I, I don't really know of any other test that's quite like it now, um, but it's available to anyone. Uh, and do you know if that is just U.S. based or can anybody like I'm from Canada? So do you do you know if that's can it, Canada can do it as well? My understanding because we have a lot of Canadians in strategic coach. Yes. So we're <laughs> and we're all everybody that's in Lifetime Extender is doing Inside Tracker. So oh, okay quite certain it is available um yeah and if you'd like i could follow up with some websites for you or or sure links if you want that'd be great that'd be great to, that'd be great to share them right so that other yep. people have availability to this knowledge right that normally they wouldn't have we uh, honestly this the second 50 we're the largest wealthiest most highly educated group this boomer group to ever go into this time frame in life I just don't want people to waste their wisdom and their wealth right now. And I, that's another reason why I want us to stay healthy, me included. <laughs> stay healthy, have more energy, you know, get, get stop talking about your aches and pains. Enjoy life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was interesting. I had a conversation with my mom last night. I'm up now being in 
keeping in mind my mom is 91 and she's still living at home. Um, so sure. she's doing well in that way. But it was interesting to have the conversation with her about, you know, her, she's talking about how like, she's talking about the aches and the pains and things that she has. And she got, she gets very focused on what she can't do. And that becomes yeah. her focus. And instead of what she can do and right. Um, but I can see it's a, it's a very interesting spiral when you start to go down that path of, you know, I got the aches and pains. I focus on that, and then everything is what I'm what I'm unable to do, what I can't do, and it it, it becomes um uh, just a very negative cycle that you can that people can get caught up in. It's one hundred percent true, one, and it's like a self fulfilling prophecy. If you're mm -hmm. always talking about what's wrong, things go wrong. I don't blame her because I'm sure some things do hurt, mm -hmm. but you know, there's there's such there's such good treatments for pain that don't have to involve the normal route and don't have to involve surgery that, again, for people in their 90s, I would just love to see them get exposed to things that could bring back a little more energy and a little more pain-free lifestyle for them. Who knows what she could do? Right. Well, I mean, you know, she, I mean, she's living on her own, in her own house, at ninety one, I mean that's still in its in itself is is really impressive, and yeah. uh, but I think that um, she's so she's doing that on her own as it is. But if she if she had other alternatives to getting you know long, some longevity or or even just vitality, I think would make the difference. Exactly. So that's what we're looking at. It's longevity. It's vitality. It's better health. It's treating things that you may already have to whatever extent we can. Um, it's and I'm and I'm not kidding. There's so much out there that we're not taking advantage of. I would love to have a few 90-somethings in a room together mm -hmm. and let them share a few things, like what's bothering you most or what, you know, what's interesting to you right now. Right. Um, so, yeah. So I might approach you to talk to your mom. <laughs> <laughs> by, by all means. By all means. Um, you, you are creating some 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 amazing ripples out there in the pond. This is this is fascinating. I love it. I hope so. I hope so. I genuinely want my second 50 group to to be the movers and the shakers and the problem solvers throughout their lifetime. And I think they can. I think they can really impact the world. Mm -hmm. I believe so too, actually. So um, what what's one lesson that you've learned um, along your journey from being a gosling to leaving the nest um, that you would share with an entrepreneur starting a business today? I guess the lesson is a little combination of two things. You need to find a way to know your numbers and get a certain amount of financial stability or confidence because I believe entrepreneurs need to invest in themselves and they don't do that enough. Everything is about the business. I would say, you know, don't do it imprudently. You, you want to do it carefully, but invest in yourself. So that might be something as simple as, okay, I'm not working out because I'm so busy. I'm going to get a personal trainer. Or it might be, I'm going back to school because I'm anxious to learn about this particular topic. Or it might be, uh, seeing a functional medicine doctor and writing some checks to do that. <laughs> and and I don't know for you, but for the females, might also be, hey, how can I look better and feel better? Could I could I invest in a little bit of a new wardrobe, a, a wardrobe or a new look for myself? 
it's so meaningful. It makes you so happy as an entrepreneur when you can invest in yourself, I believe. There's the lesson. So invest in yourself. And I and I do agree. And I mean, being an entrepreneur, uh, I can contest as well to, you know, investing in the business, investing in the business, investing, you know, putting all your time and effort and, and, effort and energy into that. Um, and you become your own byproduct. But, you know, we typically don't put ourselves first. We put the business first. We do. And, you know, we're we're really important people. <laughs> and then if you throw a family and adult children and now I have grandkids into the mix. Yeah, you really have to think about it to go back and it's okay to invest in yourself. You're the most important person you know. Exactly. So I have one more question for you, Kathleen. Um, you do not have it, but um, if you were standing on the top of a mountain and the whole world was intently listening to you, what would you say? I have to think about that for a minute. I would say never stop believing in yourself and your ability to change lives, change the world. Never stop believing that. That sounds a lot like a lesson that your parents gave you. They did. I can I do we have a minute? I want to share one story about my dad. Absolutely. I drove him to the airport from LAX to go back to Chicago on a beautiful sunny day. And he was telling he had had a lower leg amputated and he was still flying around doing everything. He said, Here's my new idea. We're gonna to go to Palm Springs and I'm gonna become a consultant for the dentist down there because they don't know how to do dentures and I do. And here's how we're gonna set it up and here's what we're gonna to talk to. I put him on the plane. He sat next to the cutest flight attendant he could find and he passed away on the plane. Really? He did. And I just thought, oh my gosh, up until the moment, the last moment for him, he was plotting out how he was gonna help other people, change lives, earn more money. <laughs> So I think anybody can do it. We just have to remember. Absolutely. That's that's a moving that's a moving moment. That is yeah. that's an incredible story. It, it yes. Forever impacted my life. Well, um, so I guess I will personally thank you for carrying the torch. <laughs> uh you're passing on well, you really I think you're passing on your father's legacy. Um, to that next generation, whether it be your kids or your grandkids or all your clients. Um, I mean, I really, you know, I can see clearly now, even hearing that story, is, you know, you know how he bettered the pond, um, and, and you're taking that and you're running with it. And I can guarantee you that anybody that you have, uh, in, you know, relationship with will want to do the same because it's inspiring others. Thank you so much, Warren. I really appreciate talking to you today. I love what you're doing with the podcast. Um, and I hope somebody is inspired. And if anybody ever just wants to talk about it, you know, like I said, I, I all I want to do is share the message uh, about doing something else with your second 50. And so here we are. You just gave, you just preempted it. So um, I do want to thank you ever so much for, for sharing your stories today uh, and, and your time. Uh, I think it's great for everything you're doing to better the pond. 
And if people want to find out more and get resources and have conversations with you about uh, uh, about their second 50, where do they find you, Kathleen? It's probably just best to go to my website or LinkedIn. You know, either one would be fine. But I genuinely mean it. If you just have an interest in the second 50 movement, if you're doing something that's inspiring, I want to know about it. If you're interested in collaborating with me, to get the second 50 movement going, I would love it. Uh, I'm open to all ideas and big thinkers. I love it. So your website is? Uh, www.second, S-E-C-O-N-D, 50financial.com. Second50financial.com. And if you want to find you on LinkedIn, it's just under Kathleen Adams. That's correct? Right. Yeah. That's the best place to find you? Mm-hmm. All yes. right. So there you are. My guests will now know where to get hold of you and, and uh, yeah, jump onto that Second 50 movement. So, um, you know, and we definitely will share that out so that we get more people on board so that... Uh, Thank you so much, Warren. I appreciate it. There's a great African proverb that uh, I do in my in my uh, presentations, and it's you know if if you want to go fast, if you want to if you want to go fast, go alone, and if you want to go far, go together. Yeah, very good. I'll leave it with that. So there you have it, folks. We had a great time with Kathleen Adams today, um, and this is Warren Berry, and I'm flocking off to take you beyond the pond, to better the pond, because we're better together. Thank you much. So much. Thank you so much, Kathleen. Thanks, Warren. Well, thanks for landing on the Better the Pond podcast. Do you know someone who should be in our flock? Contact Warren at warren at instinctivesolutions.ca to tell us their story. Until next time, what ripples will you create? Cheers. Cheers.